and welcome to the U.S. Center for Safe Sports podcast series. Here at the Center, we are dedicated to making athlete well-being and safety the centerpiece of sport culture. Our hosts are experts in the field who will connect with athletes, parents, volunteers, officials, staff members, and coaches to gain thoughtful perspectives on getting the best experience out of sports. Get ready to learn valuable information, shareable tips, and helpful resources to keep you engaged in the game. Happy listening, and welcome, Leslie. Hello, and thank you, and welcome to Keeping Your Child Safe in Sports, presented by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. You can find us online at www.safesport.org. I'm Leslie Mitchell-Bond, and with me today is Marita Zadina, a parent and leadership consultant, and her daughter, Caroline, University of Chicago Clinical Mental Health and Athlete Candidate, and former semi-professional soccer player. We have an outstanding show for you today, offering the perspectives of a mother and her athlete daughter sharing their experiences. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the program, Marita and Caroline. I was hoping you could open by sharing with us how you became interested and invested in athlete safety. Caroline, why don't you start? Hi. Um, well, first, we'd like to thank you, Leslie, and SafeSport for inviting us here today. We can't think of a better resource for athletes and parents, so thanks for letting us be a part of this series. To answer your question, yes, I am very invested and interested in athlete safety and well-being, and I believe it stems from always having been an athlete and around athletes. I played club soccer year-round, high school soccer, college soccer at both the D1 and D3 levels, and then semi-professionally in England after college. Now I coach high school soccer and college soccer, so really and truly athlete is not only who I am, but it's also what I do. Um, as I reflect on my own playing experiences, on the one hand, I remember like the really great moments, you know, the great games, my tremendous teammates who are now my lifelong friends and probably will always be my best friends. I clearly remember winning the conference championship game my senior year in college on penalty kicks, just saying that kind of gives me the goosebumps feelings. Um, as magical and exciting as sport great moments are. Um, yet I also remember a lot of hard experiences and lots of tears, a constant fear of being humiliated. You know, you never want to be that player who's singled out for a mistake in front of peers and also fans and even sometimes parents if they're close enough in the stadium. The constant screaming and insult from the sidelines, um, it really gets to your confidence. And also just like the physical punishment and overuse injuries. I think the only times I was ever injured was stress fractures um, in my feet and ankles just from being overworked and not having enough time to rest. So yes, I definitely um, am invested in athlete safety and well-being because I have a lot of more of these hard memories than the good ones when I reflect on being an athlete. Wow, does that sound familiar, Leslie? Brings back so many memories. Um, I became interested in athlete safety just by watching Caroline and my other daughters play elite sport in high school and is often hard to watch. Um, I've always been a mom who thought that balance was more important than perfection, but I deviated from the coaches with that frame of reference. I think I watched too many teachers and coaches push students too hard, resulting in diminished confidence and just pure exhaustion. So this was especially true in club sports at the high school level, where I felt felt that my daughters and other athletes were blindly driven to keep playing and to keep practicing so that they could get to an elite college level. 
and they were made to feel that anything less was failure. So this rigor of elite sport, I found to be overwhelming both physically and mentally for the dog, for my daughters. And I think that's where we need safeguards. Thank you both for sharing. I'm sure it's painful to recall some of these very stressful memories, especially when these sometimes, as you said, outweigh the joyful ones. Caroline, what do you see as some of the issues facing young athletes, and particularly girls and young women today? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is just recognizing that we have to protect our bodies. Female bodies need to be trained differently than male bodies um, to build strength in the right places and to prevent injuries. ACL tears are more common in elite female athletes, and this is something that must be recognized across sports. I think it's also important to monitor hormone cycles as even hormones play a role in injuries and performance. And then when we do get injured, it's important to be aware of our bodies and how to protect our bodies, especially when working with trainers on rehab. Injuries um, can sometimes happen in really private places. I think especially with soccer players, we have hip flexors and groin injuries. So we have to monitor the safety of our bodies at all times and advocate for help when we need it. Um, Secondly, I would say paying attention to mental health is really important. We say that 90% of the game is mental, right? But um, I always hear that in my field especially, but very little attention is actually paid to that. For female athletes, I think it's important to recognize that we may share similar stressors and anxiety um, in balancing school and training and games. And it's okay to recognize that you may need help or support, whether that's physical or mental or even social. And it's not a weakness to ask for help when you need it. Um, on a similar note, I think that feeling exhausted is not a sign of weakness, too. It's a, it's a signal to rest. Uh, I tell my athletes that all the time. As female athletes, it's imperative to listen to your body. It could not be a more clear sign. I think that today many female athletes are told you have to play D1. You have to play year-round. Taking a day off will set you back. There's even a movement in girls' high school soccer to stop playing high school completely and instead play for developmental academies that, I guess, promise scholarships to the best schools. And my response really, especially when my athletes ask, is don't be disillusioned by that. Don't sacrifice your health ever because someone tells you it's the only way. There's no one path to achieving success in sport. Um, It took me multiple tries at different levels, and I still found that's on a professional level. So it's okay to feel exhausted, and stop playing sometimes. Lastly, I think it's important to really tune into the fact that even today, more male coaches coach female athletes than female coaches, which can mean that sometimes they're not aware or cannot be aware of tra- or trained or even attuned to the needs of female athletes, how we relate to each other and what we value in relationships, how we learn and feel supported. And this kind of tension can be really hard to manage and emotionally taxing. And also confusing as we try to relate to male coaches over and over again without much response. That's not all male coaches, but it can happen. I don't really like to categorize, but there's enough research to suggest that female athletes are very relationally oriented and collective. And so this is at times very at odds with the competitive system of sport today that values individualism and dominance. That's what I would say to young athletes. (laughs) Excellent suggestions and certainly – a lot of food for thought as we continue to make sure that coaches are trained uh, not just in their sport and not just in in appropriate physical activity for age groups, but really listening to the unique needs of female athletes. Marita, what are some of the things that you think parents need to look out for in making sure their athlete is safe and having fun in their sport? Well, you know, I would start by echoing the fact that the 
coaches, at least at the high school level, from my experience, were technically certified in their sport, but they really did lack the education in the mental or physical health of teenagers. And this gap is tremendous and I think puts our youth at risk for overtraining and overuse and too much stress. And surely Caroline's experience and her sisters at well as well were exactly that. There was too much stress and overuse injuries that appeared in high school but did not appear in college. And I think we need to attend to that. So I actually think parents need to play an active role at the high school level. And I recognize that it's hard, but looking back, I think it's going to be um, incredibly worth it. So a few things I might watch. First is the overall time commitment. Is it challenging and reasonable or is it way too much? So I'd start by checking for too many hours of practice that are required or practice at unreasonable times of the day. Uh, for part of the season, my girls had to be on the field by 5.45 a.m., and the field was 25 minutes away from our house. So those mornings were too early, and then you add the dangers of winter weather, and it's just a recipe for disaster. The girls were exhausted. Um, the second thing is, to, in, in the academic year, to just check for the conflicts between sports practice and the pressures of exams, because this is when sport triggers undue stress for the students. I believe that practice should be decreased during exam times, and I think that if the parents rallied the school, that might just happen, and it would ease the burden for our students. Um, the other thing that was just a sore spot all the time for all the parents was the need to have practice during school breaks. So if there's any way that you can align with other parents and lobby to allow the athletes to also have a break and to take advantage of their school vacations, it's just not fair that time with family and friends and time for rest is increasingly compromised by the pressure to practice and play. So, you know, when you're monitoring for time and intensity, you need to be checking, Leslie, as you said, for this line between playing for enjoyment, love of the game, or playing for pressure and meeting someone else's expectations. And I think parents need to help their children play for themselves and help them play to build their confidence. Um, you know, on the other side, I was a parent who liked to hang around sports. And I think it's important to monitor the team dynamics, to know what your daughter or son is going through, because the pressure and intensity of what's happening between the players can either build support or it can result in super competitiveness and um, stress and anxiety for your, for your student. And then lastly, in club sports, I would really recommend that you do some research on the coaching staff. If you're switching teams, as a parent, you should get direct input from the parents of current players and the parents of players that left, because those parents know what's difficult about this particular team and the coaching and the rigors. And, you know, I didn't take the time to learn why other athletes left particular teams, and had I done that, and had I realized 
where the roughness was, I would have been better informed to keep my own children safe. So the more closely you watch, the better it is for all players on the team. Those are all really excellent suggestions. Um, and as like you did with Par- Caroline, I think it's important that all parents continue to use every opportunity to listen to their athletes so that you are aware of how they are feeling both physically and emotionally about their participation as you move through sports. So Caroline, with the experiences that you've had and the education you now have, what advice would you offer to girls and young women in sport today? Well, I think first I'd say speak up for each other. You are your best allies and your best chance for change. I think it's important to realize that you hold more strength and power in the sporting system than you think you do, but only when you come together and kind of voice these challenges or concerns as a unified front. Um, if you see something that makes you feel uncomfortable or something that doesn't seem right or may not wouldn't seem right in a school setting or a different home setting, say something about it. Find the AD or other parents or teacher, or even athletic trainer that you trust. Find people who will say it with you. Um, secondly, I think I would just encourage you to learn how to respect, respectfully stand up for yourself. Um, it's okay to say no, and it's okay to challenge authority. Respectfully, of course, but with confidence when it comes to your health and safety or a teammate's health and safety, right? You guys are the only ones within the system looking out for each other as players, as teammates. Um, So don't forget that and use that to your benefit. I'd also say that exhaustion is not a sign of weakness. It's never a sign of weakness. One day of rest that saves a long-term injury is worth it every time. It's worth every minute of rest. Um, you're the only one protecting you, so don't slack off. And protecting yourself and your health is a number one priority and it's a strength. And lastly, and almost most importantly, I would say from my perspective, I would encourage you to build a support team for yourself. Find an older female athlete who can offer you mentorship, both within your program and outside of it, on school, on athletics, on teachers, on anything. Um, personally, I think I wish I had seen a sports psychologist earlier, but I was really afraid of the stigma in sport with seeing mental health. Um, now I know that my sports psychologist was definitely the best thing to have happened to me because I finally gained my strength and my confidence back to play. I definitely would not have made it to the semi-professional level without that support. So I would say see a sports psychologist to build your confidence and your ability to stand up for yourself. Um, remember that seeking support is not weak. It's actually a sign of strength and commitment to yourself, to your teammates, and to your long-term success in sports. So you don't feel like you have to go it alone. Well, we are so fortunate that you are using your voice and you have used your voice. And I believe that no athlete will have to go it alone um, as your advice will help prevent future athletes from having these same experiences. Norita, what are the top three things you might wish that you would have known or done when Caroline first started playing at the elite level? Well, you know, I would echo Caroline here because as she said, for the teammates to speak up for each other, I would say parents need to be doing the same thing, um, speaking up for their child and for other other students on the team. So the most important learning for me was to stay connected, um, knowing that you as parent are the only one who has your child's best interest in mind. Um, for the most part, I learned that coaches are interested and compensated for winning not for taking care of the individual needs of the athletes on their team. So with that recognition, parents need to work with the coach to do the best for their athletes. 
So we can't drop them off and assume that everything is right. We actually need to stay connected. So individual parent to individual coach, establish a connection. Secondly, I would suggest that you create a caring network among the parents. So as Caroline said, the teammates should stay connected. You should enlist parents and other adults to watch out for the safety of the athletes. And here I'm referring to both the physical and emotional safety of the players. You know, uh, sometimes I would ask a parent to keep an eye on the situation when I wasn't there, and their view gave me a different look at what was going on. So I knew I wasn't biased and I was being honest, but I was actually getting a real read on the situation. And finally, I would suggest that parents become the voice of wellness and balance. You need to be the one to give your athlete permission to sleep in when they're overtired or to skip practice when the demands of school are overwhelming, to play for fun and joy, and not to keep pushing for this competitive advantage. I wish that I had been a stronger voice and firmer hand in protecting my own girls from being overworked and overtaxed. I, I could have just said no when my inner voice said that they were at risk. I should have been their ultimate excuse to a coach. Just, my mom said I can't come, so I'm not coming. And in that, I could have been their safeguard. Again, thank you both. Uh, really, really important advice. And I am confident that other parents will heed that advice about the importance of connections, connections to teammates and connections to other parents. Um, we all want the best for our children. And uh, if you are looking out for your children and you're looking out for others, then you know that they're going to be looking out for yours as well and to trust your instincts if you think that anybody is at risk. So, Vanessa, we've heard a lot of uh, things that can go wrong, shall we say, in, in sports. What program does the U.S. Center for Safe Sport offer that will help keep athletes both mentally and physically safe? Well, Leslie, the center is developing free online trainings for parents to take with their children and youth of all ages. For preschool, grades K-2, grades 3-5, middle school, and high school aged youth. These trainings will be available soon, so stay updated at www.safesport.org for more info. The center also has a parent toolkit and free parent training, and we are also available to provide in-person trainings to coaches and sport organizations. How can a parent find out if their child's coach has received safe sport training? You know, there are two good ways to know if your child's coach is safe sport trained. All U.S. Center for Safe Sport trained coaches receive training certificates and will likely share them with parents at a preliminary team meeting. If that does not happen, the national sport governing bodies maintain records of all coaches who have completed courses, and parents can certainly inquire about their athlete-specific coach. Also, the online training is 90 minutes long with minimal cost, so if you don't think your coach has received the training, you can request that the league pay for it. Thank you. As we close today, Caroline, do you have any final words of advice or encouragement for yeah. parents? Yeah, exactly. I think I'd say to parents, listen and speak up. Sometimes we need you to be the one to say that this doesn't seem right and I want to help you fix this. Sport does not always allow us athletes to rest or to question or to quit. And it's really hard to question authority, especially coaches when they guard playing time. Um, consequently, I know that even myself, I became very subservient to coaching staff. And 
because we feel we have to. We, we, so much of our identity is defined by our success on the field or on the pitch. So parents, I'd ask you to help us take our blinders off, help us to question, help us to stand up for ourselves, to take a day off when we're exhausted, to see a sports psychologist or a trainer for help. We definitely need your support and encouragement because we can't get there alone. We need that push, and we need it from the people who know us the best. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Marita, for taking the time to share your experiences and pass on the benefit of your wisdom. Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing what SafeSport is doing, and thank all of you for listening. If you have any questions, please contact the U.S. Center for SafeSport at training at safesport.org, and let us know what you would like to hear on future podcasts.